Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So while they're doing that and taking up the offering, I wanted to share with you a little bit about how this message uh, took a little bit of shape. And one of the things that Pastor RJ was talking to you about is when we struggle and when we robble in our Christian faith, that, you know, we need to come back to center, back to reset, back to our starting point. But there's also another time in our lives um, that we really need to make sure that we are constantly doing a check-in, a checkpoint, coming back to center, coming back to the starting point, and that's in times of transition, times of change. And um, our family right now is in lots of transition, lots of change. Um, in every area of our life, it seems like we, we are looking at change and transition, and there's no structure, there's no routine right now. We've, you know, suddenly we recently sold our home, and then we moved into a transitional home, a smaller space with, you know, one bathroom and four daughters and me and him and, um, and just it's, and then, uh, when we're building a house and we're going to be switching uh, gears a little bit, the girls switching towns and the kids are going to be switching schools and there's just change everywhere. Everywhere is change and transition. And those are the times they can be like a weak joint, um, in our Christian walk sometimes. And when we go through change and transition, it's really, really important that we check in with the Lord. That we're, Because in many of those seasons and tra- changes and transition times in our life, lots of changes are happening, but choices need to be made. Lots of choices. Um, lots of choices that we're making have to be made. And constantly I'm, I'm making it on purpose and being intentional about, you know, Lord, what are we supposed to do here? God, what do we do here? Where do we go? What school do they go to? Where do, where, and even where we were supposed to live in the town, are we supposed to move here? What do we do? What kind of house do we need? Like, God, everything. We're acknowledging him in everything and in all that we're doing, especially in those times so that we're making the right decisions. We're making the right choices in those seasons of transition because then we can kind of lose focus um, because our world is so out of focus at the moment and it's not settled and everything's kind of up in the air and we don't know where everything's going to fall yet. And like for me, like I like structure. I like organization. And in my house right now, there are boxes everywhere (laughs) and I can't find anything. And we're asking each other, where's this? Where's that? I don't know if you can find it in the box, wherever it is. I don't know, you know, like, and just, I, I like a neat house and it's not a neat house right right now. (laughs) Angel right here. What's that? Most important thing to find. I'm right here. You won't lose me. I'll never lose you. That's so good to know. He's my rock. I've been leaning on him so much. See, he's the stable one in our relationship. And when I just want to look around and go, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to see this place clean and everything is all over the place. And I function better in structure and when there's routine. And so do our kids. There's just no structure and routine right now and everything is kind of up in the air and we have to extend grace right especially in those times of transition and change we need to make sure that we're giving grace giving ourselves grace but not making excuses to stay in those places 
and not change, but that through the process of change and transition that we're extending grace to each other and receiving grace and just being okay with, God, you're, you're doing something in this, <laughs> in this season of change and transition. You, you're working things out. You're changing me. You're teaching me a lot right now. And that those seasons are really important. They're really important and they're pivotal in the next steps where God is taking you, okay? I'm going to start my message now. And, uh, but it, this is where this kind of came together and happened for us because this, coming back to our starting point, we started talking about this a lot and sharing each other with a lot. We just need to pray about this. We need to like ask God, like we need to pray. We need to like, all the time you we were saying to each other, like, what do we do? We need to pray. And this message kind of came out of that and took shape from that. So the word, our Bible, is God's revelation or revealed truth to man. So when I'm referring to the cross, I'm speaking of the complete and the fullness of the work that Jesus did at the cross. And the cross is the access place. We see the manifested power of that very truth revealed in his word, the Bible, by faith. So it's very important to understand in the purpose of the work of the cross that Jesus didn't come just so that you could have a carefree life. And we're life with no worries, life with no suffering, a life where you didn't have to do anything with no responsibilities and nothing. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true, that he came so that in this life, when you experience sorrow, when you experience suffering and, and hardship, rejection, whatever it may be, that the cross is there for you to access the manifested power of God and the ability to overcome whatever it is. That is in your way. Whatever obstacle it is, whatever you're going through, whatever you're um, struggling with, the word is there for you to help you through. So with the power that you access, the manifested power at the cross, the word that is that cross, the truth of that cross, that the two go together. The two go hand in hand. In Romans 6, 12 to 14, it says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead. But now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin no longer is your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So as Christians, we need to recognize that your faith it's intentional. It's on purpose. And it's activated by the decisions and the choices that you make every day that you live in your Christian life. The decisions that we make to and choices that we make in practical things. So we want to stress that prayer is very important, extremely important in our Christian walk. We need to be seeking the Lord in prayer. But we cannot just pray without acknowledging that the very truth from our Bible that we need to acknowledge in when we pray, that we need to do the things that it says we need to do. And my Bible says, and your Bible should say this too, that faith without works is dead. So that when you're praying and you leave your prayer closet, that you need to put feet to your faith and that you're going to be doing something. So when we have the cross and the word together, those two things in balance are necessary to live a healthy Christian life. 
so that you can see the promises of God fulfilled for you when you have the two in balance. So you're not in legalism or hyper grace. You're, you're in perfect balance with the two together. So James 1, 22 to 25 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself and walk away. Forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So, okay, I want to explain something here that even here, we need to be very careful that we're not just doing without hearing, hearing the word. Okay, so if you're not, if you're doing without hearing, what exactly is it that you're doing? And how do you know what you're doing is what the word says you're supposed to do? Okay, so we need to be making sure that we are being hearers of the word, but we're doing it as well. So it's very easy that in those times in our life when we're only doing and we're not reading our word that we can fall into the flesh, that we fall into our own strength and our own ability and we're doing it all out of ourselves and thinking that we're going to be able to do it and succeed and we're not. So for example... I want that we need to. So in our prayer closet, I'm going to give just a very practical example. At this time in your life, if you need a job, you're praying in your prayer closet and you're asking, Lord, I really need a job. And God's like, okay. So what do we need to do first? So the first thing you might need to do is you might need to make a resume. And then you might say, well, I don't know how to make a resume. Well, then I would say to you, there's lots of people who know how to make resumes. And you can hire somebody to make your resume. You can get help. Jesus is not sitting at the right hand of the Father for you with a magic wand sprinkling fairy dust everywhere you go. You have to do something. So when you go and do your resume, then constantly, with every step, Lord, my resume's done. What's the next step? Where do I go? What job do you want me to have? Praying for divine appointments, connections that God will make for you because you've done your part. You go out. You send out your resume. You do what God tells you to do. And then you get the call. You get the interview. Thank you, Lord. Like, what do I do? What do you wear to the interview? You dress appropriately. You don't wear ripped jeans and they're all down to here. And you don't wear a shirt that's, and you're hanging out everywhere. You dress appropriately. When you get the job, you show yourself responsible with Christian character. You show up on time. You work with integrity. You work hard. You take initiative. You be loyal. You be honest. You be truthful. In those things, then you can lean on the word of God because you've already did what it said. When you need it, then you can go to God and be like, God, I'm doing the best I can. This is where you take up the slack. This is where you take over now. If you struggle with anxiety and worry, yes, we access the cross of Jesus Christ because he overcame all of that. And we take authority and we bring all those things into the captivity of Jesus. But then we do not go out and watch horror movies. We do not go out and read books that are full of fear and we do not watch episodes of CSI and all these other things that all they do is fill our mind with fear and worry. They're not helping, no good comes from that. They're not helping to put your mind in a better place mentally. So my word tells me in Philippians 4, 6 to 8, it says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which in Jesus Christ, 
And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Proverbs 4.23 says to guard your heart, out of it flows the issues of life. But we just read here also in Philippians 4.6.8 that his peace guards your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. How are you going to live in God's peace if you are constantly at war in your mind and struggling because you are making bad choices? You are a hindrance to yourself when you do the things that you know you're not supposed to do. You're not coming into the obedience and alignment with the word of God. You're not aligning yourself so that you can be successful when you're making choices that you know you shouldn't be making and watching things you know you're not supposed to be watching. There's so much wholesome Christian entertainment that you can be watching. There's so many resources that you can read that are uplifting, that are encouraging, that feed your faith. And when things happen and life hits, you can deal with it because you're, you've positioned yourself in a positive mental attitude to be in a place where you can think clearly and you can make clear decisions with the help of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be careful that we're not shooting ourselves in the foot by doing the things we're knowing we're not supposed to do, but then say, God, where are you? Help me. Your prayer is not going to be answered when you continually go into the prayer closet and say, you know, I take authority over this. I take authority over that. And then you walk out and turn around and do the very thing that you know you're not supposed to do and you're in disobedience and that very thing that you're asking God to deliver you from. Amen? Are you clapping because she's really good or because I'm coming back? Both, both, both. It's because she's really good. So we started with we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And and what happens is we're a new creation now. Old things are gone. Everything changes. And we are in this process, as she was just talking about, there's this process going on in your life that begins and ends really at the cross, but it's going to happen inside of your life as you activate the word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I wanted to, to talk about this a little bit, verses 3, 4, and 5. We're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. You're not warring against other people. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Every thought that goes astray has to be brought into captivity, has to be captured, and has to be forced to conform with the truth from the Word of God. And we know that our spirit is saved, and we love Jesus, and it wants to do what's right, and our flesh wants to serve itself, but the war is really in your mind. That's where the warfare happens. That's where you're going to win or lose, and it starts and it ends with your thoughts. Your thoughts always precede your actions. You think about it, then you go do it. Some people go, well, I don't think about it. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you think about it. And, and, and what happens is we have this mandate from the scripture to wrestle with our thoughts, to literally bring every single thought into submission to the word of God and to the truth. And what happens is if you allow your thoughts to get off course, what's going to happen to your life? You're going to follow it, of course. 
But if we wrestle with every thought, and this is where this is where the rubber meets the road, because oftentimes when we get to that place of struggle, we're standing right there at the valley of decision. You can reset to the truth from the word of God, and it says, let's activate some faith and wrestle with these thoughts and cast them down and bring them to submission. Or we can yield to our flesh and go into sin. Now, that tells us, sorry, the opposite can be true also because what you're aligning yourself with is what you come into agreement with. So if you're wrestling with your thoughts and bringing them into submission, coming into alignment with the truth from God's word, that's going to produce a result of a disciplined life and you're going to live a little bit more holy with a lot more confidence before God and knowledge of God. But if you choose not to wrestle with your thoughts and you start aligning yourself with the lies of hell, it's going to have the same effect. Because what you align yourself and come into attunement with is what's going to be produced inside of your life, and that's what you're going to start producing. And so if you've experienced rejection, you can align yourself with rejection, or you can align yourself with the truth from God's word that you're accepted in the family of God. But whichever one you align yourself with is the one that you're going to find yourself walking in. Now, taking that even a step further... We see things like gossip and judgment or judgment without mercy. You know, the Bible talks a lot about judgment. Judge not lest you be judged. With the same measure you scoop it out, you're going to receive it back. But I find it amazing that we are supposed to judge, the ministers are supposed to judge what's happening within the local congregation of believers. Fathers, you're supposed to judge what's happening inside your household No, really, you are. Yeah, that's right. We have an obligation before God to keep order in our household. And when there's lack of order in our household, whose job is it before God to, to steer things back? Yes, we will do it together as a husband and wife, but as the man, the, the, the headship in the relationship, that falls on me. That's your responsibility. Don't navigate your role, man. But here's the thing. It says when someone gets off course, you who are mature, gently steer them back to the truth lest you get into pride. And the same thing you fall into. Because sometimes we want to point the finger at everybody else, but then at the same time we open the door and the tempter comes in and nails us because we're not mature. I love the self-proclaimed prophets in the body of Christ who feel that their ministry is to correct everybody. I have the ministry of correction, brother. I don't want that ministry. It's a part of our role, but it's not something I go looking for every day, believe me. The, the point that I'm trying to communicate here is in Psalms 37, now as a transitional statement, I want to say this. John Owen, always be killing sin or it will be killing you. It's a constant struggle. This war in your mind is going on and on and on. There's always going to be a war going on. You're always going to have that struggle. You're always going to have that. But you can win more and more and more as you stand in faith and feed yourself the right information. But here we go. Psalms 37, take delight in the Lord. 
He will give you the desires of your heart. Why? When you commit your way to him, when, you, when you've aligned your desires with his purposes for your life. I've said it before, I will say it again and again and again. God gives you what you need, not what you think you need. Because too many times we think we need something because we think it's good for us, but God says, no, that'll destroy you. What are you talking about? The Bible says that the love of money is the root of evil. all evil. The love of money. Does it say money is the root of all evil? No. 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 That tells me that we have two responses in our heart towards money. One, it's a tool that God gives us, and we can be a blessing, and we can utilize it as a tool for others. We all need it to survive. I get it. And there's others that they love it. They pursue it. It becomes their motivation. Now, I can see just in that illustration where if God bless someone who has the love of money as a problem inside of their life, if he blesses them with a lot of money, it's going to destroy them because it becomes an empty pursuit in and of itself, and it draws you away from God, not back to him. It's still true. But see, for someone else where money's not an issue in their life and they're willing, freely able to bless and give, and when God says do it, it's just a tool that he's given them, he can give them lots of money because he can entrust them that it's not going to take the place of him in their heart. Now, I use that as a silly illustration a little bit, but the truth is there's many things that we cry out to God for, but how submitted to God and his ways are you when you're crying out to him for things? There's some things that are pretty standard because God's desire is that all men be saved. So when you're crying out for a lost person, God, please save my friend. That's pretty, I think God's going to, that's aligned with his purposes because God's heart is that all men would know Jesus. But God, I need a new Mercedes. Maybe he wants you to have a Beamer. Who knows? <laughs> you see, when we're looking at these issues of our heart, there comes a point when if our focus is not on Jesus and our purpose is not to honor him, we're starting to get off track. And too many times we get into comparison, we get into competition, we get into jealousy, we get into strife, resentment, bitterness, rage, all these things, and, and all the drama of life gets in the way of what God's trying to do in our life, and we get our focus off of looking at him in the cross yeah. onto all these circumstances and situations. As soon as you get your eyes off Jesus, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to start getting off course, and then you start to wobble, and life is not going how you want. At that point, you need to arrest it, stop it, and reset to the truth and get your eyes back where they need to be. In Hebrews 4, 12 to 13, it says... For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable for. That's, that's a heavy scripture. There's a lot in there. And when you think about that, it really, for me, it drives home the importance that y we need. It's absolutely necessary, the truth, the cross of Jesus Christ. But the word we need as well. The two go hand in hand together because the truth of the word points to the cross. The cross points to the word. They point to each other. 
They coexist together. They are one. So it's very important that we understand. Jimmy Evans has this really great quote. And when I heard him say it, I was like, wow, that totally says in one little phrase everything that Hebrews just said in the scripture I read. He says, the more you read your Bible, the more your Bible reads you. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so good. So the more you are getting into your word, the more you are reading your word, the more the word and the Holy Spirit is going to tap you on the shoulder and go, hmm, there's an innermost thought or desire here that I'm trying to expose. We need to deal with that. Are you truly surrendered to that? And are you dying to yourself so that Jesus can bring you into resurrection life on the other side? And we need to, when we're at the cross of Christ and we are speaking those things that the word of God says, because remember, we need to know what the word says in order to be a doer of the word and a hearer of the word. So we need to know what it says so that we can confess the word of God that we need to for that situation, for that circumstance. And that really releases the life of God, the breath of God onto that circumstance, onto that situation. Then the word is alive. It's active. It's powerful. And it cannot return void because it's sent out to do, the word says, what it is sent out to do. It will accomplish what it's sent out to do. So the word discerns those things. And we need to speak. The word of God says in Romans 4, 17, that we speak those things that be not as though they are. God has made us a new creation in him. So we may not be operating in the fullness in a certain area of our character, but when we're coming to the cross of Jesus Christ and we're confessing over ourselves, over that aspect of our character, we are speaking that thing that is not at the moment, but it is going to happen. The word of God. It's not, but it will happen. And the word of God will not return void. It will continue to do what it is sent out to do. So as people, we tend to focus on where we want to go and how we want to get there. But with God, his focus is on who we are becoming on the way to where we're going because he is the one who is preparing you for what lays ahead for what he's already made ahead of you and preparing you to do in the future. Do you understand? So he's the one that sometimes we're struggling with a certain thing. And it seems like we're not getting victory. And over and over again, we're going back to this thing. But we need to understand that God wastes nothing. He works in everything. And no matter how many times you're attempting, as long as you are going to the cross of Christ and you are confessing that word over yourself and you are coming back to it over and over again with the true heart and a right motive to him, God is saying, I've got this. Even though you might not have victory right now, I'm working in this. I'm working in you perseverance. I'm working in you and pulling out a strength in you that you did not know that you had because you're going to need it for here, what I've prepared ahead of you. So we need to understand that God knows the perfect timing for victory. He, you have, we have to trust that his timing is perfect. We need to trust that when you're going to overcome it, that is the perfect time that you needed to overcome it. And he has prepared for you something that is waiting for you ahead. So daily, we need to come to the cross of Jesus Christ. Daily, it's a pouring out at the cross. We cannot forsake our secret time. It's a priority that we need to have in our lives, that we are seeking God, that we're asking the Holy Spirit, that we're coming to the cross of Christ. But we need to also understand that it's not just a physical place that we walk out and leave and everything that happened there stays there. That's not the truth. The truth is that everything that happens there, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, we take that with us. 
We're supposed to take everything that happened there and bring that with us wherever we go. Because Jesus has made a way by his blood that we can take with us the altar anywhere that we go. No matter what we're doing and in every circumstance and in every situation, we have the authority, we have the power, we have the victory with us wherever we go. And we can call on him for help in everything that we're doing. And any time that we have a need, we can call out to him. But we need to understand, we sang today, the worship team sang today, that the resurrected God is resurrecting me. God is making all things new. Old things have passed away and all things are being made new. But the making new is being worked out in you. The resurrected God, he is resurrecting you and breathing in that abundant life, that all things are made new, that he is perfecting the character. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. So he is the one that's going to be doing that work inside of you as long as you're submitted and you are to die to yourself. If you're not fully submitted and dying to yourself in that area of your life, you will not experience abundant life and resurrection life in that area. Because you're not surrendered in that area of your life to the Lord. So how can he work in that area when you're not letting him into that area? So we need to understand that we need to have a full surrender of that area in our lives. And the more time that we spend with the Lord, the more time that we spend in that secret place, we come out and we are able to take the authority and the power that Jesus won for us at the cross. And we are able to use our weapons. And when we pray and we going out and ministering to people and we're walking in the call that God has put in our life, we are able to operate with authority and we are operate to come to new levels of faith and we're able to experience new levels in God that we've never known before because we are continuing to spend time with him and we are beginning to look like more of who we're hanging out with. We're hanging out with the Lord. Don't be surprised when your countenance changes, when people begin to say to you, I like being around you. I just, I feel peace. I like being around you. I, I, just, I just feel better. Because who are you hanging out with? And you're carrying that presence of God with you. You're carrying that his anointing with you. The glory is all over you because it's like it's baked in. You're not leaving it there, but you're bringing it with you wherever you're going. So we need to understand that in those times that we don't walk away from our quiet place and our secret time and just leave that there, but that we're in everything that we do and everywhere that we're going, that we're practicing the presence of God. If everyone could stand with us at this time. So as we prepare to celebrate our covenant meal, communion, the Lord's Supper, one of the things we're supposed to do is just look within for a moment and examine our heart to make sure that there's no unforgiveness or ought. And when you examine your heart, if there's unforgiveness or ought, you need to make it right before you participate in the covenant meal. Release forgiveness. But my gut read is, with this many people in the room, 100% of you have an area in your life somewhere that you need to reset back to the cross of Christ today. And as we go to the Lord's Supper, as we go to communion today, the bread, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray in a moment that we can renew our minds to the truth from God's word and that we can go back to our center in Christ, the starting point, and then we can begin to apply the word of God to those areas inside of our life. As he activates the word, we're going to expect change to happen inside of our life. How many say I can do that? 
So Father, we thank you today that you went to the cross to restore us to wholeness, mind, body, and spirit. And specifically today in the realm of our thinking, our minds, I ask that your spirit is coming in and as we purpose to reset to our center in you, the starting point, I thank you that you're making all things new and that your word that you've placed in our heart is becoming alive inside of us and it's producing the fruit of the spirit inside of our life and we're changing from glory to glory and we're being transformed into your image and your likeness. So I thank you for the men and women listening and as we all align ourselves with your plan for our life, Lord, we expect the goodness of God. We expect the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, and the love of Jesus to be present inside of our lives as we are led by your, by your grace and, and we live for your glory today in Jesus' name.